Isn't God good? All the time. Now, we say that. Do you believe it? Come on. We say God is good, and everybody says. And then I say, like a good preacher, all the time. But do we believe that? Oh, come on. We roll in this place, and you can usually tell what kind of day people are having. We roll in here, and people are chattering, chatter, 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 chatter. We start to worship in silence. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Just like you chatter to that brother or that sister, oh, the Lord wants you to chatter to him too. Amen. Right? Oh, but that's unusual. That's uncomfortable. No, that's relationship. How many chattered to God today already? Did some of you chatter to God? You do know he's got a bigger ear than you, so he can listen. But he also has a bigger mouth too, so you better listen. Right? Oh, boy, he's so good, though, so good. How many here today know that God has done something amazing in your life? How many people sitting here today, how many people sitting here today say, I am not who I was five years ago? Okay, let's, I, I like to see how fast the arms go up. Let's try this real quick. How many say, thank God I'm not the way I was five years ago? Yeah, I like that. I like that. Get those arms up quick. You know, uh, who was it? Pastor Jim is one of his favorite statements. Joyce Myers says, you know, I'm not quite where I want to be. And that's usually still about us, isn't it? But thank God I'm not where I was. And that's not about putting ourselves up here. What that is is thank God I'm not leaning all over me. Because when I was doing the thing, when I was running the show, let me ask anyone here, were you doing a very good job? No. No, the Lord just continues to turn us around, take hold of a spirit that was dead and make it what? Alive, an alive spirit. But I'm going to tell you what, when we have an al a living, alive spirit, we want to declare just how good our Father is and that he loves us so much and that the only way is Jesus. Amen? Amen. You're going, Dave, it's Sunday morning. It's like 11.30 for crying out loud. Can't you keep it down? No. It's overcast outside. I always gauge, poor Calvary. I have to pass Calvary United Methodist first. I always gauge what we're probably going to have in church Sunday based on their, the number of people they got in the parking lot at 8.30 in the morning. And I saw that there was quite a few cars missing. And I thought, all right, Pastor Dave, I'm praying for you and Pastor Scarlett and and, and whatnot, praying for you guys. And Lord, I'm praying for whoever rolls in today. And I'm so thankful because today is the day that the Lord has made. And he's got a word for you guys today. Amen. 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 Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Thank you, brother. Look what the Lord has done. Each of you got a sheet of paper somewhere. In front of you, around you, behind is done. Anybody see that? If you got that, raise it up in the air real quick. So I see that. Look what Jesus has done. Look what Jesus has done. Now, here, here's the fun part. Hold it right over your head. Just hold No, right over your head. Yeah. Look around. Look what Jesus has done. Amen? 
Now, what I want you to do is I want you real quick, literally 30 seconds. It should take you an hour to write down what I'm about to ask you, but I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Grab a pen, grab a crayon, grab a, a pencil, grab a marker. I don't care what. Write down what is it that Jesus has done in you. And this is what I'm going to challenge you on. Don't give me the Sunday school answer. <laughs> pertain it to Lucille. Pertain it to Robbie. Pertain it to Danny. Pertain it to Casey. Pertain it to you guys. What has the Lord done? Look what, the, look what Jesus has done. Look what he's done. Mm. Look what he's done. Thank you, Jesus. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. <laughs> Boy, he healed my mind. He saved me just in time. I'm going to praise his name. <laughs> my days will never be the same. I'm going to praise him. Look what the Lord has done. Amen? Amen. You got something down on that paper? Got something down on that paper? Now hold on to it. Cling to it just for a few minutes. And this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew 28 with me real quick. The Lord's been doing something in my heart. And it's funny. I started to share this very message on Sunday, uh, Wednesday evening at the men's ministry. And I felt like I can't lay off of it. I told them, you're probably going to hear this on Sunday because this is already what the Lord has been doing in my heart this week. And we're talking about ministry. Last week we talked about the feeding of the 5,000 and how that was not so much about the miracle Jesus did nor the people. It was about the disciples. It was about learning that what he has called us to do, he will provide and, and send us forth with far more than we have ever been able to give because that is the kind of God he is. He says, hey, I have created you for great things because you are my image bearer. Look at your neighbor and say, you were created in God's image. Make sure they know that. Okay. Now, let's understand real quick. It doesn't mean that you got God's blue eyes. It doesn't mean that you've got God's brown curly hair. It does not mean that you've got God's biceps. Could you imagine? <laughs> I was on the floor this morning attempting to stretch. <laughs> and I got one of my kids up over and I was bench pressing him. And thought I was all that, you know, yeah, yeah, realizing it's just Silas. But... <laughs> I don't have God's biceps, that's all I can say. You were made in his image. That does not mean that you look like him physically. Yeah. Do I believe that he's got somewhat of this kind of look? Sure. That's not what they're getting at. Let's make man and woman in our image. He's talking about, talking about who God is. Who God is. He's full of life. So when it says you were made in God's image, that means you 
We're made to bear all those things. And then sin did what? Shut it down. You no longer look like your daddy. You didn't. You didn't look like your daddy anymore. You looked like somebody else. You know who I'm getting at. You looked like somebody else. But the father, praise be to God, the father was not satisfied with that because if you look like somebody else, you got to go where he is, where he's destined to go. I don't want to go where he's destined to go. Anybody else? You say, oh, salvation message again. Hey, Christ crucified for my sake, amen? That's what Paul preached all the time, lest we forget it. I don't want to go where that person I look like. Father wasn't satisfied with that either. He said, look, I made them in my image, and I'm making a way back for them. But not only that they would be in his presence, but that he, they would be once again the bearer of his image. That you would begin to, people would say, oh, wow, you look like your daddy. You look like your dad. Anybody here want to look like his, your dad? Anybody? Come on. Nobody really cares. Oh, man, come on. CeCe's Pizza is going to close here. I hope not because I'm feeling CeCe's today, Tracy. I don't know. Yeah. Jesus, I pray right now that we begin to take hold of the fact that you have called us to look like you. You made us to look like you. And you made us to bear your image in Jesus' name. Thank you. Matthew 28, the very last two verses, 19 and 20. Let's look at this very quickly. As soon as you get there, just uh, say something. Something. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Who has heard those verses before? You've heard that before, right? Who is he talking to? The disciples. Who else did he want to hear? Because followers... Followers of Jesus Christ who truly want to look like their daddy are what? Are called what? Disciples. Followers who want to look like their daddy here are called what? Disciples. Because they do what the Father does. Who said that? Jesus did. And when we look like Jesus, and isn't that what the whole goal is here, to look more and more like Jesus... then we do what the Father says to do. And what I love is the last sentence in this 19 to 20 oftentimes gets disconnected from this section. Oftentimes we take this last sentence here and connect it with, I will never leave you or forsake you, making it about who? Which is okay, but we make it about us. This is the context of this verse. It says, go, make disciples, baptize, teach them to obey, and surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. What is Jesus saying? Is this a comforting sentence in the sense of, oh, you'll be okay? 
No, this is, hey, you're a disciple. Get out there and do it. I'm with you. I think about six people got that. Let me say it again. You're a disciple. Get out there and do it. Never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm with you now, even to the end of the age. Amen? Amen? So you say, how many people, and I, and I asked this in men's ministry the other night, how many people have believed falsely at some time in their life, or maybe you believe it now, that a disciple has to be perfect? Thank you, thank you. A disciple has to be perfect. Perfect. How many believe that a disciple had, at some point in time, a belief, a disciple, someone who's really evangelizing, someone who's really baptizing, someone who's sharing the gospel, preaching the gospel, has to be someone who has a seminary degree of some type. Or at least is an absolute biblical scholar of this word. I believe many, many have gotten caught up in their definition of disciple when the reality of it is this. The moment you said, yes, Jesus. Can we say it together? Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. The moment we say, yes, Jesus. The moment we said, yes, to him. And the moment we said, I want to look like you. <laughs> I want to look like you. At that moment, you were saved, and at that moment, you experienced everlasting life, and at that moment, you became a what? Amen. But hold up, hold up. I don't have everything down. What if people have all the, uh, don't, I, they ask these questions, and they don't have all the right answers. Anybody said that before? <laughs> Isn't it interesting how we shut down really quick on that? Let's go share Jesus. Oh, I don't want to say anything because they might ask these questions and I don't know the answers to, so I'm not going to say anything. Guess who's telling you that? Guess who's encouraging you to know that you're less than? And yet, what did Jesus say? You go, I'm with you. Oh, is anybody hearing this today? You go, I'm with you. Even to the end of the age. Wow. Pete Basco, you should be dancing back there. I'm just messing. Chesney's like, please don't. <laughs> I'm serious. Go. They say, what, what does this look like? What does this look like? Turn real quick to Mark 5. Mark 5, I just want to give some examples here. And I know there's times that Jesus would say, oh, you know what? You know what? I just healed you. Or he'd tell the demons. Jesus was great about this. He'd cast out the demons. And then what did he tell the demons to do? Oh, I love it. Come out, and, come out and shut up. He'd shut them down. Unless he asked them a question, at which point they better answer. Shut up. Because they'd start spouting out who he was, but in reality, they were just trying to create distraction. Others, he would say, don't tell anybody yet, because he knew what it would spur up. But in the conditions that he's talking about here, look what he would do. Let's look at chapter 5. Everybody there? Mark chapter 5. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, and when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit, English is demon, came from the tombs to meet him. Now, isn't this interesting? Demons are kind of crazy. It's like they are attracted to Jesus like a, flaw, a, a moth to a flame. You ever notice that? Because they know it's authority, and the only place they can run and hide He's going to shine light anyways. So they might as well go deal with it. <laughs> and 
And so anytime the demonic showed up, it was to try to bring deceit or distraction. But also, these guys were scared to death in the presence of Jesus. Scared to death in the presence of Jesus. The man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. This guy would break chains. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Real quick, uh, Dutch Sheets was sharing one time. He's an evangelist and they were in an African village doing mission work and... Uh, in this small village was a little girl, about nine years old, chained to a stake, covered in dirt, hair crazy, absolute wild child. Bottom line is, uh, for however, whatever, we won't go on all the details, the child was, 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 uh, uh, had, had, was demonically possessed. And here he is trying to minister to these villagers and not having much success and he's out praying and asking the Lord what to do and the Lord was very clear. Remember, God has a big mouth. Don't forget that. And he said, I want you to go and cast a demon out of that little girl in the center of town. Dutch Sheets did his best John Wayne and ran to a hut and hid. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Anybody, who, who, would, who would say that? Are you kidding me? Or I said, no. I've asked you. I've declared it to you. I am with you. I am with you. So he goes out, shaking at his knees. He said, but each step he got closer and felt more confidence. He stepped up in the name of Jesus. I command you to leave this child. And her mind and her life be restored. Needless to say, that child was restored. And the whole village listened. And the whole village received. Amen? Amen. Power of Jesus? Yes. Who's Jesus with? Us. Who? Us. Who? Who's God's spirit with? Us. Just about three hours a day? From 10.30 to 12.15 on Sunday morning? May I, how about coffee break during work? Oh, I'm busy. Wash that word out of your mouth. Jesus is with you. You got some work to do. <laughs> Amen? Oh, I got stuff to do. You ain't got nothing to do. God's got a lot to do through you. And it's cool stuff. Cool stuff. <laughs> when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want, me, want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus said, What's your name? <laughs> My name is Legion. <laughs> For we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. Hey, by the way, anybody ever seen cartoons of demons in hell? They seem to be enjoying themselves. Hell was created for them for d d punishment. They don't want to be there. 
Do you hear that? They don't want to be there. So if the demons don't want to be in hell, if the demons don't want to be in hell, Satan doesn't want to be there. God didn't create it for some little housing project for the bad people. It is horrible. Isn't it funny how we get that in our minds? Somehow the demons are okay with it. Not according to this. He begged Jesus again and again and again. Don't send me out of here. A large herd, uh, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the uh, nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. I bet that was quite a sight. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported in the town and country, countryside, and the people went to see, uh, see what happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. What would you have done? The village lunatic, for lack of a better term, is suddenly in his right mind. And there stands the one that did it. Oh, come on, what would you do? What would you do? When they came to Jesus, they saw this, and those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told them about the pigs as well. The pigs were these people's livelihood, by the way. So the people began to plead with Jesus to leave. Go. Don't you know we're too busy and you're making things a wreck around here, Jesus? Don't you know what you just did? This is our livelihood. What are we going to do now? How many people here have gotten our eyes so focused on our, our stuff, our plans, our schedules, what we have to accomplish, that we are literally saying to Jesus what? Leave. Oh, maybe not, not, maybe not consciously, but what are we saying with our actions and our attitudes? Leave. 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 <laughs> and I will say this. I don't even know why I'm even down this path. I need you to hear me real quick. Um, the enemy really is helping you fill out your schedule. Unless you inquire of the Lord first. Because the busier and the more full and consumed you are with your life, the less you're looking like the life. Amen? Amen? Are you hearing that? Now let's get into that. That's not even where I was supposed to go, but I feel like I need to say that real quick. Those who had seen it, okay, so then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. So here we go. Verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, hey, he's not going to force it. You guys remember last week I told you with the Pharisees, everybody else, the disciples are like, you offended the Pharisees. They're offended. And Jesus is like, let them go. Leave them alone. They're hard-hearted. They're not listening to me. They're not listening to truth right now. Doesn't mean we got others that are going to receive. Amen? 
You say, well, that's kind of harsh. No, that's truth. How many of my minister friends have been consumed by one person who refused to listen when there were countless others that were ready to? I've done it myself. Wasn't that harsh on that person? No, it's all about timing. Lord, thank you for the timing. He was getting in the boat, and the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Now, of course, how many would think that that would make sense? This man who just set free and saved would want to go with Jesus. Want to follow him? Absolutely. I love this. Jesus didn't let him. But he said, don't miss this. Here it comes. Jesus didn't let him, but he said, go home to your own people and do what? Tell them how much the Lord has done for you. You know what he just told his man? Go home and declare, look what the Lord has done. Do you know what he just did with his man who was just saved an hour ago? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything. I'm with you now, always, until the end of the age. The guy's an hour old in Jesus. He doesn't have a seminary degree. He doesn't have perfection on his side outside of Jesus. He doesn't have a lifetime of walking in Jesus to experience all these things. How long has he known Jesus? An hour. And what did Jesus do? Go home and tell them, look what the Lord has done. <laughs> and how he had mercy on you. So verse 20 is like the cherry on the pudding here. This is the icing on the cake. Somebody went out and bought two cans of icing and put it on the cake. So the man went, he began to what? Oh my gosh, this is so awesome. He began to tell in the Decapolis, the 10 cities, how much Jesus had done for him and what happened. All the people were What? This man was used to begin opening up 10 cities to Jesus. And he'd known Jesus hypothetically for one hour. How often do we sit around saying, well, when I really get it right, when I really get it right and get it down and I start looking like uh, that pastor on TV or when I start acting like what this sister here who seems to always have it all together and this, this person here. You know what? Here's the prerequisite right here. I'm a sinner and I don't want to be any more separated from my father and I want to bear his image and I want to start looking like him. So Jesus, here I am. I am yours. At which point Jesus says, you are saved. You are my child. I love you. Because Christ is in you, I am well pleased with you. Now, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to obey. How many here, let's be honest, have talked yourselves out of an opportunity to share Jesus? I shouldn't say talk yourself out. Let the enemy talk you out of it. And nine times out of ten, they call it fear, right? I'm afraid. I understand. I understand. I'm right there with you. 
Don't ever look at me because I have some kind of word name called pastor in front of my name. I just have the louder mouth. This is where I'm at. This is what I was called to. In no way any different than what you're called to. Far more people, more people are going to be introduced to Jesus through you than they are through me. And I'm hoping you hear that because it gets tiring when you're, you feel like, oh, i got to do this, i got to do this. And I'm not saying I sit around doing that, but I'm saying, do you see how that's what Jesus did? What did Jesus say in John 14? He said, look, you're going to do greater works than these. You're going to do greater things than this. Why? Because they're all going to operate together. What did Jesus do with this man? Who didn't even have a Bible at that point? The New Testament hadn't even hardly been written. There was no New Testament. It was the Torah. And he'd spent years in the tombs, living amongst the dead. And what did Jesus just send him off to do? Turn people to Jesus. How, how exciting is that? Boy, this disrupts America, doesn't it? Our American way of thinking, where it's all about me. How many know the story of the Samaritan woman? John chapter 4. Jesus meets with this woman, and she's at first taken aback. He shows up at midday, sends the disciples on their way purposely, because had they stuck around and been like, Jesus, you're talking to a woman, and she's a Samaritan. What is your problem? At which point I could hear Jesus saying, get thee behind me, Satan. But instead of having to go through all that, he sent them to town to get something to eat. He shows up, I know, he shows up, he goes to the well, there's this lady, and she's getting water. She's there because none of the other Jewish women want her around. So that means she may be a woman of ill repute. She may be somebody who's been doing some stuff she shouldn't have been doing anyways. So here she is all alone. Jesus walks up to her, and he begins to talk to her. He says, can I have some water? She's taken aback. You're a Jew. You're a man. How dare you talk to me? I'm a Samaritan and a woman. When did that ever stop Jesus? When did that ever stop him? Go get your husband. I don't have a husband. That's right, and the man you live with isn't your husband either. In fact, you've had... <laughs> Long story short, this woman comes to the realization, where I believe the Spirit began to speak to her, comes to the realization, this is the Messiah. This is the Messiah. Praise be to God, this is the Messiah. And we sit at the, we look at this woman. Oh, she's lived this raunchy life. She's done this. She's not lived good life. She hasn't done these things. She hasn't done what she should do. And, 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 and he goes in to say, woman, in 21 of John 4, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and the truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus said, I am he. Just then the disciples returned, and we're surprised to find him talking with the woman. The disciples always showed up at the good times, didn't they? They always did. No one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then leaving, ready for this? She left her water jar. 
Why did she go to the well in the first place? She was busy getting water. What did she do? Left her water jar. The disciples, when they were being called, Peter, James, John, Andrew, when they were being called, they were fishermen. What did it say they left? Everything. They left their nets, they left their boats, and they did what? She left her jar of water. The woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. I want you to see we have a woman here who encountered Jesus, and she went out and opened up a town. Anything? No way. A gentleman named Isaac, I believe is his name, in Ghana. I was having, uh, Tracy and I were meeting with Clayton and Holly Womack, some of our missionaries, and and they had gone to a conference in Ghana, Africa, and a gentleman there, uh, just a, Tracy, I don't know if you remember or not, I believe he's just a farmer, if I, I remember correctly, but just a farmer, nothing real special, so to say, but he decided he wants to look like Jesus, and he wants other people to know that joy. And at this conference, he was able to share with Clayton, because of the close-knitness of the community, the joy of the fact that he has 26 generations of disciples underneath of him. What does that look like? He shared with someone, Jesus. He was a part in their baptism. He was a part in their teaching them and discipling them. And guess then what that person did? They went and shared with somebody. That person came to know Christ and began to grow in him. And guess what that person did? They went and shared with somebody 26 times. <laughs> I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth. How many hear that number and go, oh, wow. How many hear that? Wow. I am with you now, even to the ends of the earth. The Lord didn't call you to do it all. He just started, told you to start doing it. Amen? Amen. I had lunch Thursday with Kishore Pendagade. He's our missionary that works in India, with India. And he shared with me, uh, and Tyler Meadows and I we had lunch with him and shared with us that uh, there's a gentleman. I asked him, I said, what is the biggest focus right now in India where you're doing ministry right now? He said, let me tell you about this guy. He said, this guy does nothing in terms of what people would consider anything special. He has no ambition I laughed a lot. Really? He said, he said, except for one thing. There's a new state, I think it's called Jakart in India. And a lot of turmoil, a lot of unrest, and it is, uh, there's a lot of guerrilla-like gangs, if you know what I mean, military gangs that are in there still trying to run shows the way they think it should be. They're not politically motivated. They are them motivated. So it's just about what they want and no one else. And here comes this gentle soul of a guy. I mean, these people, they, they carry around, you know, AKs everywhere, and they just, and, and killing people left and right. I mean, it's just, I'm sure you've been hearing in the news at times, India, a lot of unrest going on there. And um, just killing people left and right. But this guy, he's not coming in with any agenda. He literally is being allowed by these people to walk into their camp because he's consistent and he's been respectful. 
walk into the camp, and he just begins sharing Jesus with all these people in the encampment. And all these individuals who are being held hostage or, or being held within these villages, this guy, he doesn't have a degree. He's a, I think he's a farmer too. There's no real ambition to be anything worldly-wise. He just wants to look like Jesus, and he wants other people to look like Jesus. And he's in these camps, and he's sharing Jesus, and these people are letting him do this, and people are coming to know Christ by, by just tons, even to the point where Kishore's calling up. He said, Brother, what can we do for you? He said, Oh, you can pray. He said, Kishore said, well, I knew in my heart I needed to ask him something else because this guy may not have asked it. He's just in there doing things that everybody else is scared to death to even think about. Why? I am with you now. Always, even to the ends of the earth. Who's hearing that? So Kishore said, hey, I guess a school would be nice. A&M rushes in, buys a tract of land, and they've already bought, built two rooms. Tyler's going to be presenting here over the next little bit. Nancy, you'll be talking with him first, I'm sure. A third room might be helpful. White Hill. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. Go, make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them, teaching them to obey. I'm with you now, always, even to the ends of the earth. Dawn and Frankie, keep going to the ERs. Please. Dawn and Frankie, keep going there. Curtis, you just keep being Jesus at Dominion like you've never been Jesus before. (laughs) Amen? Until he says otherwise. You know, I mean, it's just unbelievable what the Lord wants to do through Aaron Thompson. And it's not to make Aaron this, it's to make Jesus this. Oh, come on, church. Tony, think of your realm of influence. There are people you know in your heart right now want to see Jesus. And it breaks your heart. I see it in you. I see it. I see it. Marcellus. Oh, Marcellus. There are people that you interact with that need to see Jesus more than they see Marcellus. But the only way they're going to see that is by Marcellus being there. Amen? We sit around and we're so frightened to be the very thing that Jesus said, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. So then we get over the age of 65 and 70 and we we, we retire. (laughs) You're like, oh, you're touching on areas, Dave. You have no business touching. I'm just going to say one thing, and you can hold me to this too. There is no such word as retire in the word. I didn't say that you stay at your job till you die. You know what I'm talking about. 
You are a disciple till he calls you home. Amen? You are a disciple until he calls you home. In fact, if anything, my, my seasoned, beautiful people out there, you've got the time to share Jesus all over the place. Could you imagine what one congregation who gets hold of what I'm sharing right now would do to a town they're in? Could you imagine? Oh, but I'm quiet. I'm a shy type. I'm not asking you what type you are. Who's in you? So you let the Lord use the giftings that are in you to minister. And it just may be that you may be the shy type, but you're also maybe a hugger. And somebody needs a hug. And somebody needs a shoulder. At which point you say, Jesus loves you. What starts to happen? What starts to happen? So lay down whether you're gifted or not. I'm not telling you to go out on the street corners. I'm not even going to give you a bullhorn for crying out loud. I don't want you to do that. I want you to be Jesus in you wherever you are. Because he's with you now into the ends of the earth. Anybody hearing anything today? Anybody as encouraged in me in their hearts as I am by this? Then let's hold up again. And Jesus said to the man, as he said, follow me, or follow, I want to follow you. He said, nope, go home, go home, and tell him what I've done for you. Go home and tell him what I've done for you. In fact, I'll tell you what, you say, oh, the service is getting long. Oh, what's new? I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. But what I want you to do real quick. I want you to look at a neighbor next to you. Just look at a neighbor next to you. I want you to share one thing on your list with that neighbor next to you. What's one thing you wrote? Just tell them what Jesus has done. Just tell them. This is what Jesus has done. This is what Jesus has done. This is what he's done. And you start to share. Anybody going to get excited when you hear what Jesus has done in people's lives? Real fast, just give one more to somebody else. Somebody needs to hear what Jesus has done in your life. Just tell them real quick. Come on, tell them. Like, well, this is supposed to be church. No, this is the church. This is the church. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Now, for those of you right now, all I'm going to do is I'm going to challenge you today with this. Who is ready to take up the call of Jesus to go home and declare, look what the Lord has done? Who's ready? If that's you, I just want you to stand right where you are. Just stand right where you are. If that's you, I want you to stand right where you are. I'm going to tell my home and those influenced by my home, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Amen? Can we do that? Lord, we just want to thank you and praise you, God, for your goodness and your mercy. Now, right now, we dedicate ourselves back to you. We are your disciples if we are in you. So I want to challenge everyone right now. Just declare, I am a disciple called by God as his follower in Jesus. Here I am. Look what the Lord has done. Let everyone else hear it. 
and receive the one that's done it. Here I am. Made in your image, Lord. Bearing your image now to see the many come to know you. In Jesus' name. Can anybody give a shout of praise to Jesus today? We praise you, Lord. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.